your eyes to the skies. It's time for Spaced Out on 95PFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium. Right, a big warm, warm welcome to Josh from the Stardome. Welcome to the BFM studio, mate. How's it going? Yeah, what are good, good, good to be here. Um, I'll just get this right up in your face there. Lovely. <laughs> uh, man, what a big year for, for space and uh, the Stardome. Yeah. Obviously, there have been a few highs and lows um, as far as the Stardome goes with certain bits oh, of... Yeah. yeah. Well, I should say certain bits getting nicked, but also this the Stardome getting a bit of a refurb this year. Yeah, yeah. No, that that was a yeah, real big and exciting thing for us. Mm-hmm. I think we've wanted that for a few years, um, and yeah, we we closed for about six months from the start of this year until about mid or just before Matariki. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, we reopened, we revamped the the galleries, the spaces, um, the exhibitions, and um, just had such amazing feedback from people too. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was really cool. And yeah, at the same time, we also had the the copper dome <laughs> stolen. So, copper dome crime. Yeah, yeah. Highs and lows. Yeah, yeah. But uh, um. Have you have you noticed a few more people make, making the pilgrimage to the Stardome just b- because of the refurb? Yeah, no, we've had a massive kind of uptake uh, mm-hmm. in visitors, um, mm-hmm. and it's we've just had such incredible feedback from the people that have you know seen the new spaces, the exhibitions, and mm-hmm. one of the big things about the new space is it's totally bilingual. So you know we have Western and Maori science you know sitting hand in hand, and it's very matter of fact. And um, yeah, I, I think we've found that people are so open and receptive to that and it's we've just had such positive feedback and it's you know clearly something that people really want excellent excellent now uh, the this evening's feature is a bit of a recap of uh 2023 as far as space goes and maybe mm. a bit of a look toward 2024 where do we want to start with big space stories of this year do we want to start with yeah, this so juice many, so many juice yeah. and Look, jupiter's you moons pick, you pick well, you pick whatever let's start at the top mate okay juice yes juice launches to jupiter's moon in april Yes, we going had, back um, a bit. Kind of a yeah, weirdly named spacecraft. So we had the European Space Agency. They launched their Juice spacecraft. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's currently headed to one of Jupiter's moons, which is called Europa. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's a moon that we know is uh, contains like a really large ocean of salt water, um, but it is hidden under like a really icy shell. So uh, we, we think there's a lot of interesting, you know, hydrology, but potentially biology happening in that ocean. So. Um, yeah, Europe and NASA next year will be sending off these spacecraft to actually reach there. How long? How long this will one, it take to get there? Yeah, when should it land? Does it have a drill to cut through the ice? No, so it's not landing these ones. So okay. they, they basically orbit around the moons. They pass mm. them and they learn about them from orbit. Um, but this is like an eight, I think maybe nine year journey to get there. So it basically has to do these like all these complicated maneuvers to fling itself around the inner planets mm-hmm. to then fly out to Jupiter yes. um, and then use Jupiter's gravity to slowly get into, you know, closer to the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, so really complicated, like literal rocket science orbital dynamics going on. But it's yeah, like an eight year journey to get to Jupiter. With, I mean, obviously they're landing there. Oh, sorry, not landing there, but getting there. How do they look for life below the, the icy crust? In the saltwater saltwater ocean. So one of the the first things they want to do is actually confirm that it's there because we've got so much evidence to say that it is. You know, we've seen geysers um, and basically like water ice kind of spraying out of this mm-hmm. moon, like you know, down like a door, but it's water ice. Mm-hmm. So we want to confirm that it's there, and then they would want to find out things like how thick is that ice. You know, would yes. it be viable to drill through? Um, and if it's there, what's happening under the surface? Mm-hmm. So you can only do so much from obviously orbit, but probably future missions will be able to go back and you know potentially get under that ice. Okay, so we've got eight years for this first mission. Yeah. Then we can look forward to some more. 
Yes. Okay, nice, <laughs> nice. Now, India's, you're going to have to pronounce the name of this r- rover for me. It's Chandrayaan 3. Okay, it's landed on the moon. And what did that manage to achieve on the old moon? Yeah, this was one of my favorite parts of the year was, yeah, India landed at the south pole of the moon. So they mm-hmm. became um, the first country to land at the south pole. They became the third, oh, sorry, fourth country uh, ever to actually get to the moon after Russia, United States, and China. Does the south pole become India's then? Is it their territory? Do no, they like so put up a fence <laughs> and say, this is ours? <laughs> Well, the thing about um, any celestial body is uh, we have a thing called the Outer Space Treaty, so you can't actually lay claim to any Uh, part of any celestial body outside of Earth. Yes. Um, That will probably change in the future, but, yeah, you can't lay claim. Um, But they're the first to get there, so I think it's a really big step, and not just for India's space program, but for for all countries' space programs because most countries are now trying to go to the South Pole, Mm -hmm. um, and that's where NASA wants to go with their Artemis missions with people too. Okay, sorry, once again, why is the South Pole the most sought-after part of the moon? So the way basically light works in the South Pole, it's kind of like here in Antarctica, there Mm -hmm. are certain parts um, which are in constant shadow because of the craters. Um, So a lot of those areas have constant sunlight, so around the crater rim. That's good because we want solar power for people, Mm -hmm. for example. But um, in the shadowed areas, we know that there's water ice there, so there's frozen water, which is a massive resource. Um, And that's kind of the gold of space because, you know, you can split water water into... Uh, hydrogen into oxygen, so breathable mm-hmm. air, rocket fuel, water for people. So it's it's a really invaluable resource. Excellent, and most likely aliens and um, aliens out of sight. Yes. <laughs> okay. And Russia's moon lander crashed back in August. Mm, yeah. S- sucked in Russia, or just a bit of a, a loss for sp- for space exploration. Yeah, I, I think it's just a reminder of how difficult things are in space. You know, mm-hmm. it's even though we get really good at these things, and you know, see NASA are having a lot of success. Um, it's just a reminder that space is incredibly hard. You know, there are so many things that can go wrong with any space mission. Mm-hmm. Um, but for it to work, everything has to go right. Yes. So it, there's just so much lying on it. And not, not just Russia. Japan also had um, a lander which crashed on the moon too. So it's, yeah, it just goes to show, you know, India did it, but we had two other countries that failed. Mm-hmm. And we also have been lucky enough to uh, have OSIRIS-REx return with some asteroid samples. Yeah, I think this was probably one of NASA's biggest stories of the year mm. is getting these samples back. But um, yeah, back in 2016, they launched the spacecraft. It was you know a six, seven-year journey to get up to this asteroid and then back. Um, back in 2020, it actually you know flew down to the asteroid, got those samples, left, and then basically headed back to Earth. And those samples arrived a few months ago. So. That's so crazy, right? It's so yeah. crazy. Have they released the findings of what the asteroid is made of? Um, yeah, so they, they've they've done like a preliminary results. They found that it has a lot of water on it, which mm-hmm. you know again invaluable resource. Um, and we also learned a lot about the age of those rocks being quite similar to the Earth, for example. Mm. Um, but a lot of the samples, they're actually not going to use them because NASA said like the technology that we want to be able to study these rocks does not exist yet. So mm. this is actually for future generations. Mm. So they're only going to take a small amount of these rocks to learn about. Do them. they have an idea of this technology? That that is it just like. It's yeah. It's questions like, we don't know. It's yeah. you know technology we don't have. So that's wow. kind of the thing about science is you often get more questions than you do answers. Wow. Josh, landing on an asteroid because I imagine they landed on the asteroid to take the sample. Is that like so much more difficult than the moon, for instance? I mean, because oh, I, I imagine these things you. are travel. It, it would be like 
trying to jump on the bonnet, a bonnet of a car speeding like 200 kilometers an hour and, and get a and, sample and, of and the paint get a sample of the paint like, <laughs> and not not get hurt or anything you know what i mean it's like not not destroy yourself yeah and honestly that i so i was reading about what they found and you know you think of an asteroid being like a solid rock but what nasa found is that when the spacecraft it had like this little arm basically that mm. would go down when it touched the ground it didn't hit anything it kept sinking and they found that the wow. asteroid they said that the asteroid has a consistency of a ball pit so it actually started to sink and then the spacecraft freaked out shot its engines to then get off and take the rock so you can imagine like what's involved with this and how many systems they had to make sure that no matter what yeah because it has the time with the trajectory of the asteroid and also like it's so far from earth that if something went wrong in real time it's not like nasa can just quickly you know turn it off the signals take you know 10 20 minutes to get there so it's all autonomous incredible incredible so crazy Mm. oh my god it's so crazy (laughs) now uh, psyche Yes, yeah, Psyche, which is another another NASA spacecraft which launched, which is going to an asteroid of the same name, which is called Psyche, mm-hmm. um, and it's what we call a like a metallic asteroid. So NASA oh, believes. Oh, good for mining. Well, literally, NASA mm. believes that this is like the remnant core of a uh, you know old planet that was forming in the early you know form, sol- uh, formation of the solar system. Mm. They think that this is like the remnant core of an old planet. Wow. So we know that it's made of a lot of metal. Um, and the middle you, part. Maybe it's the a metal transformer. Part. Who knows. Oh, you often see articles like in media saying, you know, NASA sending spacecraft to multi-trillion dollar, you know, rock, yep. which, you know, is a very capitalist thing to say. But mm. in reality, it's to learn about, you know, formation of planets mm. and, you know, our origins, essentially. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The fact that there's resources there is a, a separate thing. Yeah, I mean, look, a bonus, NASA, if you will. I, NASA's never going to be the one mining the space rocks. No. They might be giving information as to, you know, what the rocks are made of. Yes. But I think that's going to be a private sector thing, yeah. you know, in the future. Now, back in Elon November, back in November, Lucy's Lucy, the spacecraft, yes. is flown by the asteroid Dinkinesh and its yes. moon. Yeah, th- this one was really cool. It was a surprise. Um, so this is another spacecraft that launched to visit some other asteroids. Um, but as it was going to its other destination, we actually found an asteroid on its way. So they said, "Hey, we're going to test out the systems." Um, so they flew past this asteroid, and uh, they found that the asteroid has a moon. Um, and not only does it have a moon, it has a moon, which is what we call a contact binary. So that's basically two objects that slowly come together mm. um, and then touch each other and become one. So very strange and kind of surprising that we had these really cool images from that. Is it one of those moments where they go, man, space is so crazy and weird when and they it, see this happening? <laughs> I mean, NASA probably wouldn't word it that way, but <laughs> it's, we just find we're constantly Lost surprised. in space kind of stuff. <laughs> That's the cool thing about exploration, though, is, you know, we always say, well, this is what we think, this is what we yeah. want to learn, and then we go somewhere and it's just every single time it is just far beyond what we could have expected yeah it's pretty cool eh? an uber trip to space where they're going to be like oh hang on there's something else here on the oh, way we'll just, we'll just stop yeah. and test this oh my god look at that thing <laughs> uber pool. now spacex starship we just spoke about this a couple of weeks ago obviously mm. had their second test flight got a bit further this time which is good news yeah it, it was a really you know successful flight for for a test flight they um they got off the pad properly it didn't ex, you know mm. destroy the launch pad like last yep. time um, you know, it separated the two boosters, it did a lot of manoeuvres, and the upper stage um, basically burnt well, its engines until about eight minutes, which is mm. what's required to get to space. So they, they hit so many milestones with that. Um, both of the stages they did mm. in- eventually explode, not because of something random, they have um, termination systems, so if something goes wrong, they basically just self-destruct. Yep. Um, but it was really positive, and I'd, I'd like to think that the third flight, they're potentially going to get that into orbit. Nice. How many Teslas do you think Musk had to sell to pay for that one? 
Quite a few. Well, it wouldn't be as hard. <laughs> it, it just doesn't pay the, just didn't give the workers <laughs> toilet breaks, I think, is a thing. You know, 10 minutes here, it's 10 minutes there, be, it all adds up, Johnny. It won't be his red one because he already sent that to space. Oh, is that one still floating out there playing David it, Bowie? It literally is still orbiting between Earth and Mars. Is it really? Tesla? Yeah. yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah, that was the first flight of one of their previous rockets to send oh, this Tesla. God damn it. Okay, and <clears throat> everyone's favourite space station, the Interna- International Space Station, a symbol of... Uh, international collaboration and a common goal for mankind uh, if there ever was one 25 years old mate yeah how good is that yeah but i mean you know we, 25 is a great age to be like mm-hmm. i remember when i was 25 um but yeah, yeah. <laughs> the iss is um yeah such a beacon i think of kind of uh we can do it people we can do it we can people. work together yeah. Has, right. has the geopolitics kind of affected the the makeup of the of the station now, or has no, it somehow managed to be scientists have managed to keep that separate and say, hey, we're work, working on something well, bigger I, than all of us? Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, obviously geopolitics plays to every country's space agency, but I think what we've found of you know what's happened with the space station is it does it was designed and worked exactly how we thought it was. So mm. when we started building it, we had both Russia and America being the biggest partners of the space station, mm. and the reason for that was to basically kind of forced both countries to cooperate on yes. this one thing. Yeah, mm-hmm. Someone you had know, a good vision there. When the invasion happened of Ukraine, of course, and America and Russia, their geopolitics, you know, soured, obviously. Yeah. Um, you had a lot of uh, officials in Russia saying, you know, we're going to pull out of the station, we're not going to do this. Mm, I at, remember. The, at the end of the day, they can't do anything because both of their systems are so integrated and they rely on each other mm. for this one thing and all the other countries that are there too, mm-hmm. um, to work together. A family, and, guys. We're a family. And Mm. at the end of the day, I think it's, you know, it's not the scientists or um, astronauts or astronomers Mm. problems. It comes down to the countries that are building these things. But um, it just shows, goes to show that, you know, working together in science is such an integral part of it. And Mm. sometimes you just have to, whether you like that country or not. Mm. Yeah. National pride goes out of it. The joy of discovery is the first sort of thing that that happens, Mm. occurs to people, I think. Mm. Sort of where you're from doesn't really matter. You're all on that same kind of like, this Mm. is amazing. Look at this. And, you know, it's like you think of at the height of the Cold War, we had United States, Soviet Union and America, um, you know, meeting their two spacecraft in orbit and shaking hands between mm. the two countries. It was such a symbolic moment yeah. during yeah. what was probably the worst time for those two countries. True. So, yeah. You know, it just goes to show. Yeah. Now, Josh, what do we have to look forward to? Josh from the Stardom? Yeah. In 2024, what's happening? Next year, I think, is such a big year for the moon. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, we, we've got, in January, there's, I think, three or four different lunar landers, which we've been sending to the moon already on the way. Why, um, why, why this time of year? Is it like weather conditions are the best or... or is it just you know, it just happens that they all happens. happen to be ready at the same time. Yeah, yeah, I mean, right. a lot of these are you know delayed by years already, but um, true, true. they just happen to be ready. And often you have a similar launch window, so they mm. just happen to be going right. in January. Right. Um, but yeah, you've got four different um, surface spacecraft going to the South Pole again, most of them. Um, and I think the big ticket for next year, the moon is going to be the Artemis two mission. So that's mm. when we're seeing uh, the crewed mission sending people around the moon, which is just going to be so incredible. Yeah. Okay. Uh, China is, is also going to go and get some samples from the moon yes, with Pakistan. Yep. So that they're, of course, they're carrying on their own space program. So they, uh, they're they going to land on the far side of the moon. Mm-hmm. Um, they're also the first country that's landed on the far side of the moon. Um, they're going to land there and bring samples back, which they've already done before. So the, the far so side of the moon is in complete darkness. It's the goth side of the moon, is it? <laughs> the dark It's kind of a... We always say the far side as opposed to the dark side. Okay. Right. It's not dark, um, but it's the side that faces away from Earth, so we never right. see it from Earth, basically. I see. 
Um, but yeah, they're going to go there, bring samples back from the moon on the far side, and they've done it before, so I'm sure that they'll be successful in that one too. Do you think that on the far side of the moon, they'll be will they be will they be bringing back water samples? Um, it depends where they land. I don't know where China's going to land, and mm. often we don't. They mm. often don't release as much information with their space missions. But and, you know, if they do land near the South Pole on the far side, it's you know it's totally plausible they would find water there too. Mm-hmm. And Japan's mission to. To, to Mars's moons. Yeah, this is a really... Japan always does these kind of really out there missions that other space agencies just wouldn't go for, but they're sending a mission next year to Mars's two moons. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mars has got two moons, quite small, kind of the size of asteroids, um, and it's going to land on these moons, kind of like OSIRIS-REx, bring samples back, and then send those back to Earth. Um, so that, that's a really ambitious mission for Japan. Do Japan they, does the same thing, eh, every time. Yeah. Just do the same <laughs> thing there. Well, you know, we talked about OSIRIS-REx earlier with the asteroid samples. Obviously, that was a big ticket for NASA. Japan's done that twice already. Really? They've done that twice. So it's not the no first No parades time. or nothing, hey. <laughs> Just, yeah, we already done that. I mean, when you watch NASA's press about it, they say this is the first NASA mission to bring oh. samples back as opposed to the first ever. Yes. Um, but yeah, Japan's done it twice, so... There we go. We just had a text through. Someone saying the space station flew over Auckland last night four times. It did. I got Super bright and amazing. Really? Well done. Well yeah. done, Texter. Does got, it flash? Um, sometimes it does if it's like the solar panels will kind of mm. glare from your point of view. Okay. Um, How does it happen four times? I thought it's an orbit thing. Is it? Is so it? The, this only happens in the summer because our nights are quite short and the sunlight is often higher for a lot longer just because of the angle of the earth so often you get you know past several passes a night i've oh. seen three and just because it goes night. so fast yeah and it just you know it's going around the earth in 90 minutes so that's every 45 oh, minutes <laughs> yeah. It's going fast, Jim. I tried to drive across Auckland at 4.30 a couple of Tuesdays ago and it took like an hour, an hour and hour and 40, I think it was. It moves at eight kilometres a second. I should so. have just gone to space. Yeah. Space station. <laughs> now, Europa Clipper is set to launch in October next year to Jupiter's moons. Tell yeah, us about this. Yeah, so this is, this is NASA's version of JUICE, basically. So they're also launching um, a mission to go to Jupiter's moon Europa. Uh, very similar profile. I actually think they're going to get there sooner than Juice. I think they've got mm. a different trajectory and they've got a bigger rocket. Um, but that will be, yeah, kind of in collaboration with Europe. We have two spacecraft around Jupiter's moon, which is pretty cool. Mm. Uh, is, is Jupiter, is cha- I mean, how challenging is it, is, it, is it sort of, I mean, obviously Mars is like the planet that is everybody's struggling, not struggling with, but it's, it seems the most... Um, yeah. Determined effort. Yeah, How's Jupiter? There. Is Jupiter like, hey, we're just going to go Jupiter for a minute? Yeah, well, the thing about Jupiter, it's it's more the moons as opposed to the planet. Um, but the going to Jupiter is really hard, A, because it's so far away, yeah. but B, because Jupiter has one of the strongest radiation environments anywhere. It's got these really strong radiation belts around it that would kill humans if we went there. Yeah. So the spacecraft that they send have to have, you know, extremely thick titanium to shield the, you know, inner computers within these mm. spacecraft. Um, and a lot of the spacecraft we don't think will last long. We literally design them to only last, say, a couple of years because mm. it's such an intense wow. um, environment, environment of radiation. Is the radiation care of the sun or care of the planet? It basically gets trapped there from the magnetic field of Jupiter, so it's coming out from the sun. Um, but a lot of the radiation gets trapped around planets right. that have mm. magnetic fields. So Earth has one too. It's like a force field of, yeah, of sorts. We call them the Van Allen belts. So during Apollo, we actually had no idea what, what it would do to humans. Um, luckily, it didn't kill them. Yeah. <laughs> they got through them. But um, yeah, a lot of spacecraft that go through these belts can just get fried, so you've got to yeah. be really careful. It's oh, amazing. Wow. <laughs> 
And uh, just touching back on this, this is really probably, I mean, this is <clears throat> going to be one of the big big old blockbuster stories of the year. We are, are ascending some astronauts to the moon in December next year. What, yeah. do you, what can you give us on this story, Josh? Yeah, I think this is going to kind of happen quite quickly. I, you know, I've been following this for years. Um, but yeah, NASA's return to the moon is part of the Artemis program. So mm. last year we had Artemis 1, which was the uncrewed spacecraft. Mm-hmm. Super successful. Um, and then next year, end of next year, we have Artemis 2. So this is a the same capsule, the Orion capsule, that's taking people to the moon. They're going to be mm. orbiting around. It's a 10-day mission. Mm. Um, with people on board, with astronauts on board. crew of four. Yep. So that crew has been announced. Um, so there's three Americans, also the first woman, um, and the first non-American, a Canadian citizen too. So um, that's going to be massive, you know, and we're literally going to see people live streaming back to Earth and talking mm. to us from yes. the moon. And, you know, I think that's you know, most of us were not alive for, you know. Why, why such a distance in time between when people were on the moon and now? What, what's what you know, because like, you kind of thought like everybody's mm. going to catch a bus to the moon. We're all going to the moon. Totally, yeah. Uh, you know, when, my mother, when, when my mother watched the, the moon landing, it was like it's on now, you know. Uh, why, why such why such a long time between drinks, so to speak? Yeah, I mean, two two reasons, and I can get into this for hours, but the two main reasons is first is budget. So once NASA got to the moon, they won the space race, their bu- budget was slashed. So their budget is right. very, very small as it was. Right, get there first, don't worry about anything afterwards. Literally, yeah, like, you know, it's a... Uh, measuring contest yeah. of sorts um, but yeah they got their first budgets became quite small so then from that NASA's priorities simply shifted so instead of saying we want to go to the moon they've been there mm. um, the priority right. became the cold war so they actually wanted to have stations with people yeah. uh, observing Earth so their money went into the space shuttle hence and then into the uh, International Space Station uh, but now we're transitioning back to the moon And but that's because we want to go to Mars eventually and right so this is going to be a stop off point like a- the moon is like the stepping stone or like the learning ground for the moon because also for Mars because um, we need to learn how to be in space for long periods of time because mm. Apollo they were like week long missions a mission to Mars with people is two years, three years. You know, right. so we need yeah. to learn long duration human crewed, uh, you know, missions on the moon. Essentially, wow. Josh from the Stardom. Hey, thank you so much for this year's uh, edition of Spaced Out. Thanks to the Stardom. One of my favourite um, pieces on on, on uh, air, by the way. Yeah, totally. What else? What else do we need to know about the Stardom? Uh, you guys got some holiday hours that you're running or you shut for a couple of weeks yeah so we, we're on, we're open up until uh, Christmas Eve so 24th and then we will close for two weeks uh, mm-hmm. we reopen on the 8th I believe which is the Monday mm-hmm. um, but yeah I mean we've got our summer programs we do shows um, during January uh, we've doing we do still got our specials which is like a Sunday save us we do really cheap shows for the rest of the year on Sundays um, and we have a final sci-fi which is tomorrow uh, which is the Terminator, and there's a few tickets left. Terminator yeah. One tomorrow yeah. night at Stardom, people. Oh, and Home Alone. So Next good. Wednesday. And Home oh. Alone Two. <laughs> so good. Home Thanks Alone so. Two or One. One. Yeah. Do, you, do you get um do you get space tourists in terms of like uh, foreign visitors who are like I you know like space nerds beautiful people that just like I needed to come to here because we, I'm yeah. I was coming to New Zealand and I like, I made this part of the thing I was doing. We do, but it's often funny because they often have come from America where they have like giant <laughs> science centers, and they come to Stardom and they go, oh, is that a <laughs> this is a New Zealand version, bro? We're like a really small building, and I'm like, yeah, it's it, but you know, it's quality it's, over it's, quantity. That's right, man. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's in the mind space. <laughs> yeah. Hey Josh, thank you once again. Um, we'll thank look you. forward to speaking in the uh, new year. Cool, yes. awesome. Thank you. Control, we are docked. That was spaced out on 95 BFM, thanks to the Stardome Observatory and Planetarium. <laughs> <laughs>